Good morning. Welcome to I Hate Music. Today, I have one of my very good friends, Nathaniel Larachette, from many amazing projects, such as Muskox and Nightwatch, which is going to be the focus of today's podcast. Nathaniel, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. Uh, Nathaniel and I have spent the last... 50 minutes figuring out technical issues, but I think we're ready to go. Today we're going to listen to the latest Nightwatch album um, called An Embarrassment of Riches. Uh, Nathaniel, do you want to introduce the record a little bit in the project? Sure. Um, the Nightwatch is a project that I started with my good friend and the drummer Daniel Malma uh, in 2008. And actually, we had met in university in 2000, and I think it was the fall 2004. And actually, it was, I think Egglock is what brought us together because we were both in the same uh, dorm and he was on a different floor. Okay. And then one day I was outside and I see this guy with long hair and a metal shirt. And so I was just like, start talking to him about metal. And we both just liked a lot of the same bands. And I, and I do specifically remembering us talking about Egglock at that meeting. Um, and uh, yeah, so we met in 2004. And then we didn't see each other for a few years. And then I bumped into him one day and we just talked about getting together and jamming and uh, we just had a jam and then it sort of just spawned from there. So yeah, so we started, so yeah, officially started in 2008 and we've done three records. Nice. That's awesome. So what, yeah. uh, what's the story behind the first two? What are those like? What, or what, um, was, what so, was the impetus of like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, like the first record, uh, was there like a theme behind it or like, I mean, it's your very first statement. Like, what was that about? Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny actually, because, um, in 2006, I met the violinist, Evan Runge, who plays in Muskox as well as the Nightwatch. Okay. And we, we were in a musical trio with a harmonica player called Miles Howe. And, uh, I was playing classical guitar, violin and harmonica. We were called the Butternuts. And, uh, <laughs> the Butternuts. Wow. That's pretty great. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, like butternut squash. Yeah, and uh, and so we met up and we got together in 2006 and just started doing like restaurant gigs and uh, doing some open mics and stuff. And then in the summer of 2007, um, we actually uh, I produced a, a record for us of uh, basically yeah, just like original original music. Uh, and it was this kind of weird mix of like because I'm like a metalhead who plays classical, right? And then Evan is this like violin virtuoso who has done a who has a, a classical background but also loves improvising and then miles had like a blues and a jazz background um so it was this kind of weird dark folk kind of film noir yeah uh, uh kind of like jazz folk trio yeah it was very i was very unique and it was really fun and so in 2007 we recorded a record and then at the end of that summer uh miles moved away and the band kind of split up um and so I had this record kicking about. And so when I m bumped into Dan again, after all these years, uh, I was telling him like, yeah, hey, I have this like record that has these songs that we like, we finished the record and then the band broke up. So why don't we like jam on some of these songs? Right. And so we started, so there was these kind of like jazzy folk songs yeah. and he started adding drums to it. And then I realized like, oh, like when I play these chords heavy, like, cause I metal has been such an influence on me. I realized like, Oh, this is kind of like a heavy metal jazz thing. And then yeah. since we were jamming on these songs, I said like, Hey, let's just bring Evan back because or like, let me just call Evan because we're already jamming these songs. He knows them. 
So let's just, you know, oh, yeah. so it started, it started with me and Dan and then like quickly, very quickly, Evan came into the fold and, uh, and we started jamming on these butternut songs, <laughs> but then like adding, adding metal parts yeah. and then, and, and kind of changing it up. And then that really basically like the butternuts became this very like distinct part of our DNA. This kind of like slightly comedic, slightly like a uh, uh, dark kind of jazzy stuff. Right. And then we just started adding metal to it. And then that, that was kind of the birth of the night watch. And our first two shows were actually, I, I, I actually was like, Oh, we should just reuse the name, the butternuts. And then we decided like, okay, let's, let's come up with a new name. Right. And, uh, and we were kind of like, I think for a while I was kind of fighting for the butternuts uh, mm-hmm. because I felt like that was the spirit of where the music came from. Right. And then, and, and then I agreed like, okay, no, let's just come up with a band name if we think of something good. And uh, we're huge King Crimson fans. And I remember just, I was at the house where we were jamming and I think I just like went to the bathroom and I was just like on the toilet. And then I was just like, the night watch. It just kind of, <laughs> <laughs> it just like popped into my mind. And I was like, huh. And I like walked down the stairs and they were there and I just said, the night watch and they were like yes yeah like it just it just worked you know uh well it's, so, it's not it's kind of like the butternuts you know three words just the night watch it's perfect yeah yeah i think i think butternut butternut is actually one word <laughs> oh you're right well but it could be yeah, like the vegetable you, you could separate yeah. it and be like you know the, yeah, like yeah. some peanuts i put some butter on or something i don't know <laughs> yeah it's true i never thought of that <laughs> but yeah so 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 then that summer 2008 so me and Dan started jamming in the winter 2008 and then Evan came on board and then Dan's roommate was playing bass, this guy, Chris Farrigan. And so he was a really good musician. So he was living there and he's like, okay, just play bass with us. Yeah. And then that summer we just like jammed almost every day and just wrote this record and just played it live. And that was kind of the impetus of that, of that first album. It, the first statement, it was very, it was very kind of rooted in just kind of a freedom. Like, we didn't really have like w- me and Dan are both metalheads who also love jazz and prog and all these other things. And there was a real sense of freedom to what we were doing. And so that first album is, is really kind of like a, a mixed bag. Like each song kind of has a different sort of DNA. So like there's like a jazz song and then there's like a swing song. There's a sort of a medieval Renaissance song. Yeah. There's like a 16 minute do metal song and there's some post rock with metal sprinkled in. So that album is kind of like us experimenting with different sides of our identity kind of for each track. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was kind of that, that first one. And, uh, and we ended up recording that one over many, many years with my little brother while he was studying uh, sound engineering in London, Ontario. So we actually went down and recorded drums, guitar, and, and most of the violin at his uh, school where he was kind of like learning. So that was a bit of a trial by fire. Cause he was kind of just figuring out right. audio yeah. and we were just kind of through this like and we were still pretty green because I'd never recorded like a full band with drums kind of album. And so it was this, it's kind of this miracle that it even got done because it was just recorded over, like we recorded guitar bass and, or guitar, drums and violin uh, in 2009, but then we had no more, then our bass player wasn't around anymore. So then we had like a year of nothing and then we got a new bass player. Then we went back to London and recorded it at this other studio and then mixed it with my brother over, like it took him many, many years, but it was, uh, I, I'm still really proud of it because it, it has a very kind of distinct identity. And also like a lot of the identity was inspired by Ottawa bands. Um, my guitar teacher was uh, played in this uh, amazing instrumental surf rock band called uh, The Flaps. Okay. And then there was this other Ottawa band called As the Poets Affirm, and they were kind of like a chamber post-rock. And then there's an other Ottawa band, all of these bands aren't around anymore. And there was another Ottawa band called Buried Inside, 
who were signed to Relapse Records, and they're kind of this like really epic and kind of triumphant but brutal like I guess post metal. And and when we were starting up, like we we sort of were, we felt a real kinship to these like these bands were a real, real big influence on us, and we thought it was really cool that like you know our our main influences were kind of coming homegrown. Yeah. Um, and then everything else kind of came through, like all the metal stuff that we love, and like you know all these kind of other things came through, but. The, the the early kind of DNA was to kind of like the Butternuts and then these other Ottawa bands. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Butternuts. Quality name. Um, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll have to send you that record. Yeah. That... It's not available anywhere, but it's it's a really it's a really cool record. And actually two of the songs on the Butternuts record made it onto the first record. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. But like new arrangements. Yeah, sure. That's cool. I was first aware of you because of Muskox, which is the other thing that you're known for. Um, you want to tell me a little bit about Muskox? Are you, are you guys still active? I feel like you did something yeah, fairly yeah, recently, right? Yeah, yeah. We're just uh, actually finalizing the layout uh, for our third record. Okay. Yeah, I thought I read um, that. It's kind of a, yeah, yeah. We're, it's a bit of a, it, that project has been a kind of a, it sort of has a life of its own. It's a bit of a slow, slow growing kind of thing. Um, but that one actually started around the same time that the Butternuts started. So the, I actually recorded the first Muskox record because uh, Muskox started as a solo project uh, when I just when I had just moved to Ottawa and I was learning classical guitar and kind of recording these sort of ambient uh, classical guitar pieces on my computer. Um, and so I, over, in 2006 and 2007, I had done these little demos and I hadn't called it Muskox yet. But uh, by the in 2007, I decided like, okay, I have enough bits and pieces. And I want to go record a full acoustic record. And the main influences were uh, Oliver Kveldsanger yeah. and, um, and, you know, and it was kind of a mix of like, I really loved that Oliver record and a lot of people do, but I, I was frustrated how, at how short the songs were because I was yeah. like, I love this, but the songs are so short. Yeah. So I thought, you know, and at the time I was getting really into post-rock and like Mogwai and Explosions in the Sky and Godspeed You Black Emperor. And I thought like, what would Kveldsanger sound like, but with like 15 minute songs? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was sort of my like experiment. And so I decided, because the, the Muskox demos were just short, again, short three, three two minute yeah. long pieces. So I sort of took those and I started kind of gluing them together and adding other parts and creating these longer suites. And so in 2007, that summer, I, I, I self-recorded at home the Butternuts record. And then I recorded the first Muskox record um, in, uh, in a studio with this engineer, Dean Watson, who actually has engineered uh, all three of the Muskox records. Okay. And so it, it started, yeah, it started just like on my own. And then I had some other musicians that I was playing with for, for a while. I had a cellist and a oboe player that I was playing with. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then they went off to do their thing. And then I got in touch with, um, Raphael Weinroth Brown, mm -hmm. who is, a super incredible world-class cellist who is, has his own huge following doing amazing things. He plays in he's leprous. Yeah. He's a, blown up like in Norwegian the last few band. years. Yeah, I mean, he's he's just incredible. And so I, I met him. Well, he has his own his solo project. He has The Visit, which is him and Heather Cita Black, who's a vocalist. He has an in, improvised Middle Eastern music project called Camancello with a, a Camache player from Iran. And uh, and he plays in Leper. So he's just incredible. And, and I met him when he was just out of high school because he was friends with Dean, who engineered the Muskox record. And so Raf was working on a death metal record with Dean at the same time. Okay, And so... So I was talking to Dean about my influences and he was saying like, oh, you know, I know this kid that I'm working with. He likes metal too. And so eventually I reached out to Raf and I said like, hey, do you want to play some Muskox music with me? And he joined. 
And then we had another violinist. And then after she left, it just made sense to bring Evan in because I was already playing with him in uh, the Night Watch. Yeah. And he's he's just a ridiculous player. And so then that sort of formed the unit. And then we did our second record, Woodfall, in, in, that we released in 2014. And then, uh, yeah, and then we just recorded our last record end of 2019, early 2020. And so in the midst of like, the the gap between records like i've done two night watch records and a solo record and raf has done a bunch of records and yeah so we're, we're kind of keeping busy we sort of have our own little like family of projects that's that, great that, i love that yeah yeah it's, it's yeah it's really awesome and, and and it's very unique to our own influences and 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 it's really kind of it's really exciting and so yeah yeah the new the new muskox record is 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 just we're just kind of like putting the artwork together and that'll be out probably around may Okay. That's kind of the, that's kind of the plan just to give time to print vinyl because that takes so that oh, takes yeah. so long. So, yeah, so that's kind of all the things that yeah, and then in the meantime there's kind of some solo records that I've done. So, I don't know, just just trying to like cultivate um a unique kind of musical identity and mm-hmm. kind of like your own your own little artistic garden that you yeah. can water and and watch grow over the years, you know. And and I mean yeah, none of what I ha- have done would have been possible without the work that you and you've done with Agalock and all that stuff. Oh, so that was thank a huge you, influence. Sir. So, I appreciate it. Yeah, so the fact that we were able to connect over the years is like, yeah, really awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember, um, I can't recall exactly when, but I remember encountering Woodfall many years ago and really enjoying that. Um, it uh, it kind of spoke to what you're talking about, about with like Kveld Sanger, which... I love everyone loves, but I I felt like yeah this could be expanded upon, and I think mm-hmm. I think people did that I think, um, but I think yours was one of the most successful at least to my ears, um, expanding on that formula. Um, I think Noin Velton did it well too, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, so it, was, it just it really struck me in the right way, like at the right time, like what you what you were doing, and then uh, years later we invited you to play on the last Agalock record. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was really. Yeah, cool. I mean that was, yeah, that was crazy. I mean, I've probably told you this story, but like back in two thousand and three, I that's when I picked up the mantle, and because uh, at that time I was following a lot of the VN Records bands. Yeah. Because again, that was this crazy, and I still look back at that era as just a very special time because yeah. you had so many unique bands. Everyone had their own identity, but we're all doing something awesome and, and experimental. And so it was yeah, in 2003 when I got into The Mantle and then just became kind of a diehard fan. I actually wrote a review of that album. It's I not that. online anymore. I think I read that yeah, somewhere. Yeah. 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 So that was really amazing, you know, and 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 uh, and it was through the first Muskox record that I that I released with Adrian Bromley from Unrestrained Magazine. And, right. Or the late Adrian Bromley from Unrestrained Magazine. And, and uh, he worked also with The End and basically i think he wrote for every metal magazine alive you know and and he put me in touch with don who gave me like a little promotional quote for that first muskox record and that's right don don was the first person that i met because in 2010 i was i was in vancouver i was on the west coast and we were just chatting on facebook and he said oh you should like come down to seattle so i remember that yeah 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 yeah. so that was kind of cool i was like oh so i i took the ferry down to seattle and got to hang with him actually it was cool timing because wolves in the throne room were playing the night that I met up with him. So we went and like saw that yeah. show. 
Um, and then, yeah, and then I, I, I was connected with him. And then at that time, you were, he was playing me some demos from Mare of the Spirit. Okay. And uh, I remember showing him, like, he was showing me an acoustic riff. And I, and I remember giving him, like, a few. I was like, oh, you should, like, yeah. use this string. Oh, give a little thing. And then I remember him being like, you know, I used that for the record. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I remember him telling me that. I remember being jealous because um, he was like, yeah, I met up with this Nathaniel guy. And, like, we are like, shredding together. I'm like, oh, man, that sounds so much fun. <laughs> Well, you know what? You know what's actually f- uh, the, uh, a little known fact, and I don't even know if Don remembers this, but back in the early MySpace days, in like 2006, I made a demo of like acoustic pieces and just like recordings from movies and yeah. recordings, field recordings that I'd done. And uh, I actually found Don on MySpace, and I actually mailed him the demo. Oh wow! Like years ago, like yeah, this was like earlier, and he and he like listened to it, and he was like, oh, like, and we like chatted a little. So we had actually touched base like in two thousand and six, nice. and then like I don't know if he connected the dots when like Adrian reached out to him, but I think he probably yeah, did. Yeah. I think he probably did. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, yeah, that was that was a fun time when you were out here. You stayed at my house. Uh, you cooked one little tiny egg in my kitchen. Cleaned up after <laughs> yourself. You taught my kids French. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. That was really like, I was, well, it's funny. Cause I was, well, obviously I was like super, super nervous. And like, I still remember like that first moment when I'm like playing and you guys are all in the control room, just like looking at me. I was like, Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it's funny is like that, like, and when you listen to uh, serpent's cap, the first one, yeah. like I steadily start speeding up and speeding up yeah. cause I was so nervous. And, but what's really interesting is like the second interlude, like core serpentis, that one, I was really nervous about because it's really, really tricky. And I remember just like doing, doing a take of it. And then you guys were like, yep, good. Next one. Yep. And then, and then I didn't hear it until it was on on the record. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was really fun. Uh, We really enjoyed having you in town. That was, that was great. I love the video that you just released of the little, thank you of serpents caput. Um, I have noticed that there's been some comments that are like, oh man, you played that just like the original. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, it's funny because I, I think like I'm the kind of person that scours liner notes and I'm sure you're the same yeah. where you're, you you kind of want to know like, you know, but I'm sure a lot of, a lot of people have said like, like oh, I, I didn't, well, even a good friend of mine, he's like, oh, like that, that's such a great cover. And I was like, I actually wrote it. So I'm covering myself. Yeah. Like, oh, really? I didn't realize that. Like, I think a lot of people just kind of listened to it and didn't realize it. So yeah, I think it's kind of, I think it's cool. It's been a thing I've been meaning to do for a while and I'm really glad I did it. And I ended up filming all five of them. So like the three from oh, the record, nice. okay. the, the seven inch and the the Japanese bonus track one. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to release them kind of just like in like maybe like one a month or something. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, those are, re- those are really kind of special pieces and uh yeah again it's 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 a thing that to me is still kind of crazy like that it even kind of happened because i was you know i've been a fan for so long and and even before i was really kind of serious about music like i was a huge fan and so it's one of these things that like i i I use it as an example because sometimes in life you we get very set on certain goals or certain ideas and 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 sometimes something even better and crazier is like yeah beyond what you can even plan right and totally and and i look at it as like kind of a, an interesting lesson because if i had told someone at the beginning of my music career like oh i, I really want to play on an agalog right. record like <laughs> then then probably people would have said oh yeah your favorite metal band like, yeah well you should get really good at playing metal yeah you know like that's the natural thing that one would think right and so 
But for me, like what's exciting is you, you kind of find these little, these little passageways that are just for you, you know, these little kind of secret doorways, right? Yeah. Like, oh, like who would have thought that like just me focusing on classical guitar would connect me to my favorite metal band exactly. and, and help me build a following in metal. But to me, that's, that's exciting because I had never experienced that yet, you know, like yeah. seeing some, like when I, I remember when I did the first tour with you guys in 2011 with Fermero, like it was just me by myself playing classical. And like, I remember thinking like, yeah, like this is something that I would have loved to see, like just a, a solo oh, guitarist yeah. opening a metal show. Like, yeah. So it's, it's kind of, to me, that's, that's what's motivating in music and in, and, and in art is sort of like finding those openings that, that you can kind of fill. Yeah. No, I love that. And, you know, when Agalock was touring, we definitely tried to curate the opening acts, especially ones that we toured with, like not necessarily like another metal band, but something that's complimentary. It's metal adjacent. Usually it, it feeds Mm -hmm. into these like other passions and ideas that we have. And, um, yeah, having, having you play with us was great. And then of course you played a couple songs with us too. And like, that was, that was super great. Like that was so fun to just have like a bigger sound on stage when you would join us, you know, that would be, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, know for sure. Yeah. That's like a, a highlight for me. Like, because yeah, that, that song in particular was always like in the shadow of our pale companion was always like such an important piece of music for me. So to be on stage with you guys doing it, it's kind yeah. of like, you know, it's again, it's, it's this, it's this reminder of like, yeah, just follow what feels good and for like sure. nurture that and, and water that. And, you know, you, you, but also, but also you, it's like, it, I, I also, it, there is also the, the component of, you know, like taking steps, stepping out of your comfort zone and, and doing things, you know, like, because had I never contacted Adrian to review the album, mm-hmm. then that would have never happened. Right. So like, I, you know, there's the belief in what you're doing, but there's also like kind of stepping out and, 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 and seeing, you know, like stepping out of your comfort zone and reaching out to people and, 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 and setting yourself up for potential failure or potential connections, you know, like that's yeah. also a, a part of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I've done as well. I mean, everything that I've accomplished musically is because I'm like, what's the worst that could happen? I'm going to reach out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to try this. I'm going to fall on my face. I mean, even starting this podcast, I just had a, a crazy idea on the way to work one day. I was like, what if I started a podcast listening to music with other musicians? Like that sounds like fun. And now we're, this is episode 52, I think. So nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the kind of magic of, of kind of following your creative impulses because like you, something starts as just an idea and then, and then it's reality. And then, and then, and then each time you finish, each time you see an an idea through, then it kind of, you build some confidence and then it kind of opens up your horizons. Like I remember being in the studio doing the first Muscox record and it was just me and the engineer because I did it all myself. And I remember just like taking a break and then I just had an idea in my head. I was like, man, it'd be really cool if like, the next record was just like one big piece. Like, yeah, it was, it just kind of came to me. And then I was like, Oh yeah. And then you kind of just like see how long these ideas kind of linger. And then the ones that don't leave you alone, you're sort of like, okay, well I guess I should probably do something with that. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to bite off more than I can chew, but I've also found that, um, even if the ideas don't work, they become a stepping stone to something else. And so now I'm just, especially with, you know, how many years I've been doing this shit. I'm, I just go for it. And if it fails, mm-hmm. then I move on. Yeah. You know, um, nothing's permanent, 
so I'm just, I'm throwing ideas out there all the time. I've got way too many bands, way too many projects and, uh, but I love it. And like yeah, I said, yeah. it's just, it, it's, it cultivates that garden of, of creativity and it just moves you on to the next mm. thing. And, and, uh, yeah, it's great. And I, I love, I specific, specifically love what you're doing over there with, uh, the people that you're working with too. It is, it's, there's so much metal that you're doing, but there's so much metal adjacent stuff too. And I really appreciate mm -hmm. that. You're not, you're not trying to copy wolves in the throne room or anything, you know, you've got your own thing going on and, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I definitely appreciate that. Um, I think we should get into the record, but yeah, yeah, for sure. I have to take a bathroom break real quick. Cool. All right. I'll be right back. <laughs> this is where you sing us a song. Oh, instrumental only. <laughs> sing us an instrumental song. <laughs> <laughs> well while jason's in the bathroom i'm actually going to read a quote which is uh something that i read online that i think is re uh, relevant to uh to this conversation that we were having and this is a quote that i read uh from mike Patton, and i know that uh jason's a big mike Patton fan uh so yeah i think i'm gonna wait to read it until he gets back So as you, as you were leaving, I started doing a little uh, soliloquy by myself. Um, I was I was about to read a quote, but then I stopped myself because I wanted to read it. I wanted you to hear oh, it because it just because I have a little folder on my phone with just when I read quotes that I like. Yeah. And uh, and anyways, it ties in with what we were talking about. And this is a Mike Patton quote. Oh yes, of Mike course. Mike Patton fan. Yes. And this one and again and, and I mean when this coming from him, it, it resonates. And this is uh, I think this was just an interview of him talking about from when the new Mr. Bungle came out. And he just said, uh, my place is, hey, I do stuff that makes me feel good. And it's always a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And it's always an amalgamation that's never gonna fit anywhere. At my age, I know that. I know that this isn't gonna affect anybody, but I still do it because I feel compelled to, to do so. I have this compulsion. And most of the people that I play with have this weird compulsion where we say, hey, we got to make music no matter what and no matter who likes it and no matter how successful it is. And the beautiful thing is, hey, it gets us through the day. It gets us through a month. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's awesome. Um, yes, yeah. as you said, Mike Patton is huge for me. Uh, he's just one of those guys that inspires me with everything he does. Um, I don't love everything that he does. There's a few misses for me in, that, in there, but kind of what I was saying before that's 
for me, those are just stepping stones, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not gonna, with a guy that's that prolific, I'm not gonna like everything that he does, but I definitely respect that he's expressing himself in different ways, and mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's huge for me. And uh, I know a lot of people are not so excited about the new Mr. Bungle, but man, it's the Mr. Bungle I wanted in 2020. I love it. I, oh, yeah, nice. I, I, when they announced their reunion last fall, I literally cried. I just, I'm such a Bungle fan. Um, Hmm. Saw them a bunch back in the day, but never imagined they would reform, you know, just Mm -hmm. had no idea they would do that. And then I flew down to LA to see them in February and it was just amazing. I was just so happy. So yeah, I've been very stoked on on Bungle this year. Wow. So you got to catch them just before the shutdown and yeah, right before the shutdown. Yeah. Like literally a couple of weeks. Um, Wow. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. It was, I mean, not, it was, I'm happy to hear you got to see them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was so fun. Um, before we start Night Watch, I want you to remind me, what was your nickname on the Agalock tour? Because I cannot remember. Did I have it? Um, remember, you had a, <laughs> you had a nickname. Um, I don't know. I don't think it, I, I remember it. <laughs> God, it's going to drive me crazy because you were helping us with merch too. Yeah. And the merch guy that had to leave halfway through the tour, his nickname was Pickle. Okay. And then we had a nickname for you and I I can't remember what it is. Uh, maybe I've blocked that out. I don't know. <laughs> I must have blocked it out too then. All right. Well, on that note, uh, let's start the Night Watch record here. Yeah, these these ocean sounds I actually recorded uh, in Nova Scotia. Oh, I've always wanted to visit Nova Scotia. Yeah, that's where I, that's where I grew up, and the and and the ocean has always been a huge influence. Yeah, and so um, it's cool that I was able to get some of that in here, and so yeah. So this is yeah. So for me, this whole intro is kind of like there's some kind of explorers that are leaving to go on this adventure. So they're sort of at the pier uh-huh. and this is, and they're kind of like, there's a sea shanty kind of happening. Yeah. And they're sort of like taking off on the adventure. And then it's like, then they're a little bit, you know, a little bit nostalgic, a little bit okay. melancholic. So this is, so the whole adventure begins like at, at kind of a pier where, where these, uh, yeah, these, these adventures uh, are sort of taking off on some quest. Mm-hmm. We don't know for what. And, you know, one thing that I've always really appreciated about playing music with the Nightwatch is that we never say no. Like, yeah. it's always been a matter of like, hey, why not do this? Or why not right. add a little sea shanty bit? Or like, and I think the cinematic nature of it um, allows for that kind of freedom because, yeah, we're, we're able to uh, kind of 
see how the see how the stories unfold. Right. See how the story unfolds. And this whole piece actually, Land Ho was written by our drummer Dan Malma. Okay. There we go. Kind of like a. The Opeth coming through. Uh huh. A little bit of Opeth there. Yeah. So it's kind of like the rolling waves, mm-hmm. right? Like. Oh yeah, that's cool. I can see that. And it's kind of funny because, again, this whole record is a 70-minute concept, but it it happened by accident. Like, as we were finishing songs, uh, we started to kind of find a thread. Because like Dan had this song and he wrote it years ago, and so we started just jamming on it, mm-hmm. and we knew that this song had a story. But then as other songs started to appear, this kind of narrative started coming through. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. We had uh, we had nine people in the studio, and then we layered it. I think four times. Okay. Or did four layers of it. Yeah. It works and, really yeah, well. For- yeah, I, I think also like uh, uh, the uh, yeah I, the the best word for me is is it's uh, playful. Yeah, I think that that's always been an element of what we do. Like it's it's having an element of playfulness where like it is very serious. We we work really hard on the music, but it also like we're also able to like have fun with it. You know? Yeah. Like we have, we have a rule in the jam space where like, if an idea makes us laugh, we keep it. That's great. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, sometimes I find when you have like self-imposed paradigms on projects, sometimes it can be really helpful and sometimes it can be really harmful. And I've experienced it both ways. And mm-hmm. I definitely have projects where anything goes and it's very freeing, but I've also used it to my detriment as well. Um, and then in the, you, you look back on it and you're like, man, that was fun, and I really enjoyed it, but I took it way too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think for us, like, oh, okay, so this part in the song is like, the the sailors are having kind of like a rowdy, like drunken, yeah. like, you know, like they're smacking uh, glasses together, sure, and it's yeah. like, it's like, I kind of wish we had done more, like sound effects, like. Yeah, yeah. Like we, we did a little bit, but we definitely like played it a little safe. But this is a riff that was really hard to record just because it's this kind of slow groove uh-huh. that has a bit of a swing. Yeah. It was really, really tricky to get. So then like the then the this is kinda of like meanwhile outside the ship, things are starting to kinda of like mm-hmm. the storm is kinda of brewing. Okay. Yeah. But I know what you're saying about like having because even though we have a lot of freedom in what we do, you can't throw everything into one song, you know? So, right. like, I think having done this whole record, our next thing is going to be sort of, like, in another direction because we feel like we've kind of explored this style for yeah. a bit. Uh-huh. And so, yeah. And so for this next bit, this is Dan on the xylophone. I, we always imagine these, like, skeletons kind of coming up onto the boat <laughs> uh-huh. and sort of playing their ribs, like, as xylophones. Yeah. <laughs> So now there's like this kind of big sort of rolling riff. And actually this is a riff, this is kind of a, an example of like sort of this butternuts riff. It's kind of like, it's not quite jazz, not quite swing, but it, uh-huh. it has like a groove, a sort of a, it swings, but it isn't necessarily swing music. Right. Mm-hmm. And I like the heavy with the xylophone the over it. Great. I haven't I haven't heard that yet, but. That's awesome. Yeah. And then it's like the calm, uh, the eye of the storm a bit. 
It's like yeah, everything sort of. <laughs> and what's actually interesting, and this is a kind of more of a compositional thing, but a big thing with us is like taking an idea and trying to see how many times we can recycle it. Oh yeah, okay. And so what's interesting is like this riff right now loops. It's basically basically we're just looping, but we're just changing the arrangement as it happens. Mm -hmm. So just these two chords, like for the next, I don't know, like few minutes, like yeah. That's right. Evan cool. just uh, Evan's just such an incredible player. Like, and Evan, it's funny because he has a bit of a different musical background than us, but he's so open, right? Like. Yeah. He's like, I just feel lucky that I can play with a violinist as talented as him. And whatever we throw at him, he's just like, okay. Yeah. And I think the fact that he isn't a metalhead helps his melodic phrasing with the music that we do. Right. Because he's very kind of, I love when we're tight and he's sort of like, like kind of more loose, loose and sort it. of free. Yeah. 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 So this part is kind of, is inspired by Buried Inside. Okay. Uh, it's kind of like wall of sound, kind of like. Yeah, I highly recommend Buried Inside. The the drummer would play like almost like fills the entire time, like very yeah, kind of yeah. like yeah, but but really sort of cathartic and incredible. Mm -hmm. And I love like the layers of Evan on this part. Yeah, the violin is really cool. So when I play this live, it's always tricky because I have to put the pick in my mouth and then just go yep. to finger pick. Uh, I imagine. <laughs> I always have to time it and hit my pedal. So I've definitely botched it a lot. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But yeah. So was it a conscious decision uh, to be an instrumental band? Or was it just kind of like out, out of necessity or? Yeah, I think I don't. I, yeah, it's, it's funny because I never listened to that much instrumental music growing up. But as I started making music, I just realized like I really want to make instrumental music. And mm -hmm. as we were as we started jamming, it just it just fit, you know, like. Yeah. It just kind of fits, so I think we'll collaborate with some vocalists uh, in the future. But I think it's it's I don't know. It just it just kind of worked. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was never really an option. Like, oh, we should get a singer because like Evan is so lyrical with his playing. Right. It was like it never really felt like anything was kind of missing, mm -hmm. and it allowed us a bit more freedom. I think. Yeah. And so this is our our good friend uh, Jason Sheriff doing the call. <laughs> That's great. When, when we were in the studio, we uh, every so we had nine people doing the gang vocals. Okay. And so everybody took a turn trying the land ho. Yeah. And uh, and Jason tried first, and it didn't quite. He didn't quite nail it. We all went, and and we have we should probably publish those B sides because they're super. Oh, that'd funny. be great. You could do it as a seven inch. And then uh, <laughs> and after everybody went, Jason was like, "Yo, give me one more try." And he nailed it with that one. So he's a he's a guy in Ottawa, a friend in Ottawa, who's been super supportive of us and is at every show and is always just kind of like, yeah. So we're really happy to get him on the record. That's great. What a great name he has too. I definitely yeah, appreciate yeah. that name. So this this whole kind of ending, it's this, and again, this is the same chord progression from the acoustic bit to the very end, mm -hmm. but just changing the arrangement. Sure. And so this is kind of like the chaotic waves, kind of rolling over and like the storm and sort of like the at the end you're kind of like now you've seen the land and you're sort of trying to get there before you're like the whole ship just kind of okay, like collapses yeah. so this is kind of like where it picks up
kind of like more of like a nice. power metal thing. Like me yeah. and Dan are big power metal fans. And Evan's layers are really nice at this part. And then Dan, I really love Dan's playing. I like his, his crash here. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got the cannon fire. Nice. <laughs> so this is sort of line. like the... Yeah, yeah. I think we used an octave pedal on it. Then you black out. <laughs> wow. That's <laughs> Shipwreck. awesome. Shipwreck. So then this this is very Agaloc tone. <laughs> yep. That's Agalocian. Yeah. So then this song, Mendoza. Mendoza, I believe, is like a word for like a big mountain or an icy mountain. Okay. So this song is kind of like waking up on the shore. And like the, like and the ship is crashing. You're by yourself, mm -hmm. and it's sort of like the, the chaos of like like, the, the tragedy of it all hitting you, in that moment. You're sort of like, what is going on? Like, right. And actually, this, chord progression, uh, I sent I used in Woodfall, so this riff here I actually like sampled from Woodfall. Okay. In the song Arcanum, this and this is actually one of the first like acoustic riffs I ever came up with when I first got an acoustic guitar. I didn't know what it was. I just was like, oh, that sounds cool. Actually, my memory of writing this riff or coming up with this chord progression was I was in university and I, and it was right after those, there was those uh, tsunamis in 2005. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I remember like watching the news and like, that was, that was crazy. Yeah, and just kind of playing this riff. And that's Dan playing piano as well. Okay. And yeah, again, this whole this whole first part of the song is just those two chords just repeated with different melodies different and, yeah. and yeah, yeah, like I love the piano. Yeah, it adds a lot, especially on this this next part. Oh yeah, just that low kind of. Mm -hmm. So this is so. Yeah, so here this whole intro is very kind of like chaotic and like anxiety inducing. But then like this next part is like gets a little bit more playful. So now it's like now you're sort of like scurrying about like trying to figure out like, <laughs> okay, I need to get somewhere, right? Yeah. So you're on, you're on the island and you see this mountain and you're trying to get to the mountain or maybe climb the mountain to get some uh, more perspective. And you're in a cave. <laughs> Should release cave an audio music. book. Yeah. 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 And again, the sort of heavy, quiet thing is obviously like very Opeth inspired. Yes. Like that mm -hmm. was such an influence. And I've always just loved the sound of acoustic guitars with metal. Yes. And I always get frustrated with some bands when like they have clean parts and it's just clean guitar. I think like, oh, like you're like just right. do acoustic. Yeah, like, exactly. Why not? You know, yeah. but but here it's cool i have classical and clean electric behind it mm -hmm. which adds like the the nylon is very like present and intimate but then the clean adds that sort of like yes wideness yep yeah
the playing is incredibly tight. Thank you. It's yeah, I think with it's 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 a balance, right? Because I, you want it to feel organic, yes. but also tight. Right. This is a little indulgent part. I love it. We just kind of took turns writing a different thing. But yeah, I think, because one thing I love about like 70s Prague, which is a big influence on me as well, is like, there's a looseness to it, even though it is tight. Right, uh-huh. Right, like you feel that it's a little like yep. loose around the edges. And I find that that's kind of exciting when something's tight, but a little loose, it feels like it could fall apart. Totally. So as a listener, it's 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 exciting mm -hmm. instead of instead of like you, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a balance I find like. This part is inspired by the the band Kawan, where oh, yeah. uh, uh -huh. a Russian, a Russian yeah. doom band, Huge, a big influence. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, Evan's playing is incredible. Yeah, it adds yeah. so much. Uh, yeah, and I think what I what I enjoy about this is like, I. I forget that there's a violin in the band after a while. I think it. Mm -hmm. I think it sounds quite integrated. For sure. Like that's kind of the, you know, it's not like we were trying to be a metal band with a violinist. It was right. just like, oh, like we're we're playing with Evan and yeah, it's he just plays, part of the band. He, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and like, yeah, I, I think also having space for all the individual personalities to kind of come through is mm -hmm. very important to us. Yeah. Like, I think, and I think that that's something I really enjoy about this band is like, sometimes it's just, if you take away what the guitar is doing and you play by itself, it's really basic and simple, but then everybody kind of fits in a piece of the puzzle. Yes, uh-huh. And, and since, since there's just one guitar, like I can't, carry it you know it's, it's not like i can just handle all the heaviness like we really have to kind of come right. together yeah and then this is the intro riff but like more kind of black metal mm -hmm. yeah there's something about like a tremolo chord that i just oh find very very satisfying me too, like, me too. yeah We have some like layers on the violin to kind of make it a bit bigger. Mm -hmm. And then this next riff, this is uh, inspired by like, uh, we call it the Moonsorrow riff. Okay. As this, and Moonsorrow is a big influence on me and Dan. They're one of my favorite metal bands. And then Dan is adding a lot of like auxiliary, like he has the, he, we rented this big concert bass drum that he was just smacking. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. It, 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 it sounds like Moonsaro to me in a certain way. Like yeah, I can, yeah, I can yeah. see the influence there. And I like Dan's hits here. Yeah. He does this kind of like, he sort of hesitates on them. Uh -huh. So you feel like yep. there's this kind of push and pull. 
so this this is kind of like you know classic Scandinavian death or Scandinavian melodic death metal riff. Uh-huh. But we actually uh, that that idea we we took it from Unexpect. Yep. They have this one song where they they bust into this like really fast riff like that. So we always this was always the Unexpect part for us. I haven't listened to Unexpect in probably over ten years. They're, they're amazing. Nice. That's a that's a salad bowl that <laughs> really <laughs> yeah, a metal salad bowl. And he hits it at the at, on the last note of the song as well. So this is the the mad rush to the mountain. I heard the salad bowl there too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So pacing is very important. So. You get that kind of really chaotic song, and then, mm. um, yeah. So this is kind of like you you're, you sort of make it into the foliage, into the woods of the mountain, and it's kind of this mysterious, unfamiliar surroundings. Um, we had an uh, we had uh, an animated video made for this song by Costin uh, Shurinu, oh, yeah. who's a Romanian artist. Yeah, I love and, his uh, work. He just did. Oh yeah, his video that he did for this is. Uh, it's it's absolutely amazing. We we sort of told him the loose story of the album, and then he added this whole other part that was just incredible. And I haven't seen it. Yeah. I have to check that out. I I love his yeah, yeah. his work though. I've seen uh, mostly like flyer work that he's done and stuff. But yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's actually interesting. The video he did for us is almost like the most. I find it's the most um, directly narrative that he's ever done. Like. Because uh, his stuff is really, um, it has narratives, but it's very like layered and conceptual. Okay. But this one is the first one, first one that I've seen by him where it's really like a character going through um, an adventure. Okay. Yeah. So for this one, uh, I have these, these nature sounds I recorded when I was on tour in Spain. Uh, there was just this like stream that I recorded on my phone and... It just adds a really nice kind of like quality to it. Were you on a solo tour? Yeah, I was touring with Sangre de Muertego. I don't know if I knew that you did that. Yeah, yeah, this was in 2017. We did a European tour. I was opening for them for three weeks. I must have known that at some point, but yeah, that's that's awesome. What a great pairing too. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it was, perfect. Yeah, it was really, really, really cool. I've done lots of field recordings on my phone too. Oh yeah, it's it's amazing. And so yeah, so this piece, yeah, this is Summit Part One. So you're sort of like again, trying to get the goal is of the character. He's trying to climb the mountain to sort of get some perspective to see where he is or where I, I like to say where they are because it's not really a gendered character, right? And actually, this song is another funny one compositionally because it's only two chords, the entire song. Okay. It's just, basically like yeah like an a to an f pretty much right but but it sort of changes a little each time the tones are very rich like yeah actually um i was gonna say topon from fuck the facts yeah he uh, he uh, produced this. Uh, well, no, he engineered uh, the bass, guitar, and drums. Okay. Yeah. That's a band I've gotten heavily into in the last year. Or so. 
Man, you guys, are you guys friends yet? I, I, yeah. I, I would love to. I would love you to hear you. I would love for you guys to like have a conversation. Well, yeah. Um, You're both like really awesome heavy metal dads. <laughs> we've we've spoken a few times. Actually, I just got an email from him this morning. Um, so yeah, we've we've spoken here and there a few times. But I reached out after I got into Fuck the Facts and I bought all of their records on Discogs, and nice. I just pre-ordered their new record and. Uh, nice. He and I have been emailing back and forth about it a little bit, but yeah, maybe I'll have him on the show because I would love oh, to. Oh, you should absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah. You could even have him like, I don't know, share some obscure Canadian grindcore or something. Like, yeah, I would love know. that. I, I love he's, that. He's just yeah, he's he's the coolest guy, and he he engineered and produced and well, engineered and and uh, mixed boundaries. Right. Okay. And yeah, and he's like he's just the coolest yeah maybe i'll yeah. do that yeah i just i i just got blown away by fuck the facts they're just they're so great I yeah love those yeah. records I, I i need to check the new one out yeah and so this part this riff actually uh the the main riffs from the summit and summit part two are classical riffs that i wrote and i actually have a solo song called monument where i basic that i wrote kind of before in tandem with these ones okay so it's like the same riffs but it's a solo guitar piece that sort of takes them in another direction okay yeah so that's yeah so that they're kind of linked in that way and then this part for me is very agalock it's kind of like this these kind of strums mm -hmm. yep <laughs> and I, I love the nylon and the steel string together yes it adds i really love that I really love the kind of nature sounds in this little mm -hmm. interlude here. Are those more iPhone sounds? Uh, it's the same ones from the intro, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and Dan's drumming at the end of this song is 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 uh, one of my favorite fills or one of my favorite patterns he does. He. He kind of does this octopus kind of, I don't even know what you would call it. But yeah. I think I filmed the video of it and put it on our Facebook page. Oh yeah. And even when we're mixing it, mixing this music like even though it's prog metal like it has prog metal influences like a lot of times we're we're sort of lining things up more with like how dan hits his drum beat and sometimes that's a bit ahead of the beat or a bit behind right, right? like yeah, yeah there's a real kind of feeling to it mm -hmm. that is not always on the grid you know and right. i think that that's and speaking of that this song actually um, this actually was a, a song I jammed. I wrote with the Butternuts. Like a, it's, we, we never had it as an official song, but I jammed mm -hmm. on it with the Butternuts. These this these riffs. So this is kind of the Butternuts kind of creeping into. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, the concept with this song is like, you you peer through the trees and you see this kind of the the mountain people. These sort of like characters that are having some sort of gathering and you're you're sort of like watching them and yeah and you're it, that yeah and i absolutely love this xylophone solo the xylophone's great yeah it sounds great too like this is a the, the entire production on this record is 
really great. I'm really impressed. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dean, so Topon engineered the guitar, bass, and drums, and then Dean, who worked on Muskox, engineered the violin and the percussion because mm -hmm. at his studio, his old studio, there was a big open room with wood floors where okay. we could get. And then my little brother um, mixed it. My little brother Simon Larchette, uh, and he has a studio called the Sugar Shack, and he's just an incredible engineer, incredible mixer. Like, yeah, we worked a. I mean, yeah, we worked a lot on this. So this is kind of like we always imagine these mountain people just kind of doing this synchronized dance. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of this main riff is sort of like the mountain people like doing this dance, and you're sort of curious, like what's what's going on. And then like, it all, and then each of us takes a solo, and that's like one specific mountain person kind of taking a solo dance. Nice, okay. <laughs> yeah. But this is basically, and it's funny because as a prog metal band or a band playing technical metal, I'm really proud of how few solos we have. Yeah, seriously, that is that is unusual. This is kind of like this is kind of like the only one. This is our sort of jazz song, like A B section. Everybody takes a solo, mm -hmm. like, and it's also a nice interlude or like a nice reprieve because this happens right in the middle of the record, so it kind of gives you a bit of a break. Right. Yeah. But getting the the right feel on this song in the studio was really really hard mm -hmm. because it 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 has to like lurch a little bit. Yes, I've noticed. Like, I noticed that. Yeah. Because there were times when if we tried to nudge hits to the tr to the grid, it was like. Oh yeah. It just felt so off. Did you record to a click? Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um but then like a lot of a lot of the mixing comes with like m m nudging things around. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. This is my this is my cowboy solo. Oh yeah. And I like cuz each time each time and this is an arrangement thing and this is a thing we really love doing. It's like this is the first time Dan does like the tambourine over the solo, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like bringing in little things like that. Yeah, the tambourine is, adds so much to the feel. Yeah, yeah. It's a great tone on that lead there too. Yeah, it's just, I think I'm just playing like my, yeah. I played the same guitar on the entire record in terms mm -hmm. of the electric. I have a PRS, Michael Akerfeld signature. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I had no idea that you had one. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't like Agalock, by the way. Oh no? No. <laughs> oh, is that on is has he gone on records? Yeah, that? there's been a couple interviews, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. During the Ashes period he said that uh we were <laughs> we we're just doing what he was doing twenty years earlier. Hmm. Yeah. You should get the Don Anderson it? signature guitar. Does he have one? No. Because I would get it That'd in a heartbeat. Amazing. He should. Yeah, I get one too. I don't even play. I'd make and him give me one. He, I need to reach out to him. Did he yeah, have his kid? He did. He had his oh, kid, wow. uh, I want to say in March. Uh, yeah, Ramona. Wow. Named after the Ramones. Wow. wow. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So Dan wrote this. Dan, our drummer, wrote this section. And... I have a, I have a friend uh, Xander Galbraith and he's an amazing singer and so I asked him I was like can you sing this because it was this crazy part and then he's like yeah yeah and I have a friend who I can bring in so it's two people doing all the different layers that's awesome and and we never met up with them to rehearse they just came to the studio and that's did amazing. it and yeah. it was, oh my god I just regret not having finger snaps over it oh yes that could have been perfect 
Yeah. Um, do you know the band Astratosphere? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so the, yeah. So much of this reminds me of a stratosphere in so many ways. Yeah, well, it, it's funny because I, I can't call them an influence because I got into them way after the Nightwatch started. Okay. But I love a stratosphere and they're the nearest thing to the Nightwatch. When I tell people, like, they're the closest thing to the Nightwatch that I've yeah. come across. Yeah. Agreed. Um, but we, but I hadn't, I hadn't listened to them until like a few years ago. Okay. But Palace of Mirrors is, yeah, incredible. Yeah, they're, they were one of my favorites for, many many years you know they're they're part of that whole like large bungle family and uh yeah most of the bungle family i adore and yes a stratosphere i got into them with their first record many many years ago um but yeah so many of these things have those hints of a stratosphere where it's like yeah with those guys are monster players oh my god they're (laughs) insane insanely but actually what i was gonna say is uh dave murray the drummer who used to play with the stratosphere yeah he has his own project tron yeah yep yeah which is that kind of thing yeah you you know uh dave murray was the drummer on the third sculpture record yeah 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 Yeah, tron is amazing too yeah so this part is kind of when the the mountain people have taken you out of your hiding. Okay. And there's sort of like a disco ball and it's like now you're having a rock and roll party with the mountain people like <laughs> yeah. nice. And then yeah. And then Evan breaks it down here pretty nicely. But again, it's like the same chord progression of the entire song, we're just changing it up each time. Yeah, that's awesome. There's a big rock and roll ending. I love the big rock and roll endings. You gotta have at least one. Oh yeah. There we go, yep. So at this point our character, yeah, is like has met the mountain people, saw their dancing ritual, has danced with them. And then it all and then it all leads to this next piece, which is I think maybe my favorite piece on the album, Shamaniac. What a great title. Shamaniac. Yeah, was, our, our bass player was kinda he had written he came to us with the title and the main riffs from the song and then we ex, expand, uh, expanded on it. So at this part, the mountain people all start kinda like a big drum circle. And they're all kind of uh it, it, it it's kind of like a tool kind of tribal thing mm-hmm. coming. And so at this point, the shamaniac appears and then the, the mountain people are just kind of smacking the djembes and the drums and uh-huh. it's this kind of like ritualistic sort of like moment where the shamaniac appears. And also as a, as a, uh, what's the word? Disclaimer, yes. if, if, Dan, if Dan the drummer narrated over this, he might have like variations on the story because we all sort of have our own kind of uh, sure yeah we agree on the major plot points but uh we have different kind of descriptions of different parts yeah yeah, definitely i can't remember is this self-released yeah yeah okay i sort of mailed it around to some labels but like we don't really have a, a very big online following, and I think that that, that is, in terms of a currency, yeah, it's that huge. goes a long way. 
but also, I don't know. I, I think I'd like to try to continue doing things independently. Yeah. And see kind of where that goes. Having that freedom is nice, but it not having that marketing budget, you know, that's also difficult. But yeah, and the distribution. I think for us, there's, there's pros and cons both ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but I mean, the album got did very well critically. I mean, we we made it on some year end lists and that's got great. really good reviews. So, yeah. Very tasty bass line there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so for us, this is very much like, yeah, I always imagine like the Shamaniac is kind of, there's maybe like a cauldron and he's like kind of casting spells and you're sort of drifting in and out of reality. very fun song to play live. I imagine. But yeah, our, uh, our drummer Dan, he he really wants, uh, he really would love to like be able to do uh, like live auxiliary percussion. Okay, yeah. Next. So my dream would be that we could have another guitarist and auxiliary percussion, maybe like a keyboardist or something That'd to be really- awesome, yeah. Yeah, but we'll see. And again, this is another arrangement thing where I, me and Evan kind of trade the riffs. So I was doing it, now Evan's doing it, and I'm doing kind of like a black metal sort of tremolo thing. Mm -hmm. Just, that's awesome. these very variations on a, on a theme like kind of yeah. that's a lot of what we a lot of what we do so cool i love this <laughs> thanks yeah we, we're like we definitely this i mean from the time we first jammed any of this material to it being released was like almost like nine years maybe oh wow yeah like even Boundaries was meant, we, we wrote Boundaries and recorded it and released it in two years in, in the midst of recording, of writing mm -hmm. all this music. So that was kind of like a stopover to prepare us to record this album. Okay. But this one has just been kind of gestating and we were playing these songs live for years before we recorded them. I'm usually pretty good about checking out your stuff but uh this one i knew that we had been i mean we've been talking about doing an episode yeah this episode or an episode like it for months but i didn't want to hear it before the episode so this yeah, is my yeah, first no, time great. cool and then in this one you can hear dan in the background kind of grumbling that's the shamaniac he also has a mortar and pestle and he's crushing some pepper i think oh that's awesome that's great I yeah. love, love, love little tidbits like that, like little ephemera in the background and mysterious yeah. noises that you can't totally identify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of a, I think we argued, I think not, but I think there was a lot of argument about like how loud it should be. It's like, yeah, that, you know, but when we, when me and Dan re-listened to this, we always think like, oh, we should have had more sounds. Like, yeah, yeah. Wind, oh, triangle. Perfect. That's great. <laughs> And again, it's like that classic play a riff 
acoustic, then play it heavy. Yep. yep. But I like this part because we do the heavy riff, we chug it a little differently each time. Mm -hmm. And those little changes I find go a long way. They really do. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I don't know those little those are the little things that get me really excited, like about music, like those little I don't know those little things you can do, right? Like yeah. taking one idea but trading it off, or you know, like that to me is so satisfying. Yeah, I love the trade offs. That's awesome. Then we have a bit of a loungy, jazzy thing. Mm -hmm. We also really like blasting. So we blast quite often. Everyone loves blasting. Yeah. So at this part, you're kind of like building up into an ex uh, uh, like an ecstatic moment, and then you kind of break through to this sort of like here you're sort of in another world, like having visions of like I don't know if you've drank the Shamaniac's tea or what, but <laughs> you're sort of like yeah. revisiting all these things. And Dan does these wind chimes that kind of sound like breaking through like glass, uh -huh. like breaking through layers. Like this part is very Devin Townsend inspired. So it's kind of this, yeah. But then again, this chord progression, each time we change it a little, at first I'm strumming it, mm -hmm. then I'm sort of, now I'm picking it and the bass player sort of replies. And then we have like two, Evan doing two kind of melodies at the same time. I think they're both improvised, so it has like a more loose feeling and then he brings it in. And this also the band Scale the Summit, they're an instrumental metal band. They're a big influence on this album. I've heard of them. Yeah, they do a lot of riffs like this, kind of these sort of arpeggiated, yeah. uh, distorted riffs. So now you're about to break through to another level of ecstasy. Yeah. So now you're really feeling good. <laughs> and if you listen here, Evan's violin parts are just gonna continue over as like, as like the guitar, bass, and drums change. Okay. Yeah. We all change, and that was a thing that was took us a long time to figure out. So we didn't quite know what Evan should do here, but then once we had him just keep doing the same thing. It totally works. Just... Black end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you called that. That was, that was, that was accidental. <laughs> so at this point, the Shamaniac has like ripped you back to reality uh -huh. and now the now the final like ritual is taking place and and here evan continues the main riff throughout the entire section and me and the the, the guitar bass and drums keep just like changing as the ritual kind of builds in okay. intensity We have some like metal bars or this metal beam that we saw found in the studio that Dan started smacking. 
guitars there are so great. It, kind of a maiden tapping thing. Yep. But they're, 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 the riff's in nine and they're happening in three, so they line up. Okay. And this is kind of our, where it all kind of comes together. Yep. I really love Dan's djembes, like. <laughs> mm -hmm. And this is kind of the big climactic ending. Mixing this was a nightmare. I don't know if we even got it right, but there's just so many layers of percussion. Yeah. So then you black out again, I think. I think that's what you did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Definitely you black out at the end of Shamaniac. And then so this song telling brown tongue root dan wrote the entire thing and it's an incredible song and he's just an amazing composer so this part you, you kind of wake up in he always imagined you like looking up uh at like at the sky through like some tall grass like you're lying in the grass yeah so this whole first part is very uh kind of like you you're sort of in a dream state and so this song, because the whole album is kind of, a, this whole mountain, you know, it's it's very, you know, it's, 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 it's the external and the internal and that kind of thing and conquering our own mountain. Um, and so, and this, this song is very much like an introspective kind of, I think it's a continuation of your shamaniac experience where you're sort of like revisiting memories and mm -hmm. like, and, and the way that Dan, orchestrated this and I mean like we each added our own flourishes but this is this is Dan's baby and it's yeah we got really into uh, like late 80s early 90s new age music okay yeah like there's this really amazing scene of like uh, acoustic projects like Wyndham Hill and that kind of thing yes yeah yeah and there's this one label called Narada Records okay uh, and they they would release those classic albums where it's like all those new age albums, you know, it's like a, a, a square picture of nature on like a white background. Yeah, yeah, uh huh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. So when Dan was when Dan was working at this uh, Salvation Army, he would he would find these old new age albums, right, yeah. from the eighties and nineties, and there's so much incredible acoustic music from that era. And so this part was kind of our like new age part. It totally sounds like it. Yeah, and also Evan's melodies are beautiful. Oh, I love what Dan did here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's amazing. Dan is, yeah, he's just, I, I love his playing. Because he plays the drums like he's playing a piano. Like, I mean, he, he's a pianist by trade. And so he's very musical with his drumming, which I absolutely love. And the glockenspiel is also nice very nice yeah. and then the memories start shifting a little starts getting a little you start seeing memories that maybe you cherish from a different perspective or start seeing things about yourself that are a little bit uncomfortable
and yeah, and the bassist Matt Cowan on this, he plays the fretless, so you get that kind of Very cool. that sound. Yeah, I love that fretless bass sound. Yeah. Rest in peace, Sean Malone. Seriously. Oh, I like to say that. Oh my god. Me and Dan are huge Gordian Knot fans, so yeah. Sean Malone and Sean Reiner. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace, MF Doom. Rest in peace, yeah. Harold Budd. Rest in peace, Sean Reinhardt, Sean Malone, Alexi Laiho. Neil Parrott. Neil Parrott, yeah. Absolutely. Been listening to a lot of MF Doom last week. Oh, yeah? yeah. Which ones? Uh, you know, I don't know the titles very well. He was one of those okay. artists where it's like, yeah, I yeah. wasn't, I can't claim to be like uber super sure. fan. But just like a casual listener, but I've been like yeah, delving yeah. back into it. Um, Dive into uh, the mouse and the mask. Okay. That one is that one is incredible. It's with Danger Mouse. Okay, I was just gonna ask if it was with Danger Mouse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and it has the Adult Swim cartoon characters who do voice voice acting on it. Oh really? Okay. Oh yeah, it's hilarious and amazing. So this is our kind of grimy, mm-hmm. dirty sort of riff. So yeah, so it goes from this like new age kind of euphoria to these kind of like in between section, and now it's these kind of like difficult realizations about life. And I like that with the Nightwatch because I think sometimes with instrumental metal, you're either like a sludgy band or a super clean technical band right and i find yeah. there's very rarely crossover whereas that's why i enjoy with the Nightwatch because we can do something like this that's a bit dirty a little sludgy but then mm-hmm. also throw in some really technical stuff because that's i think it's it's the kind of stuff that i want to listen to yeah and i hadn't sure. heard example of that very yeah. much and this part is very good Yeah, like Dan, we have such different musical minds, but we meet really nicely together. But when, like a song like this, like I, when I hear it, I'm like, how did you come up with all this? Yeah. Yeah, so There's a very satisfying bass slide. And the layered violins are really nice there. And we rented timpanis for this part. Perfect. So we, we had to roll, we had to recording him rolling the timpani here, and then we had to stop and tune it and do the next chord. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. That riff was inspired by a Canadian black metal band called Gree. Yeah, you ch- you showed me Gree many years ago. Yeah, they're uh, amazing. Yeah. They have yeah, their last double record from I think 2013 is just a masterpiece and that it, that's been a big influence on us. A lot of amazing acoustic work on that. And so this is kind of like snapping back to reality and sort of you're always kind of on the move, right? Yeah, right. 
because you can make these realizations, but you have to, you know, put it into action. And this part was really difficult for me because I'm not as comfortable doing just like steady, fast, traditional kind of yeah. like picking. Then, I don't know what happens. Maybe you come to and you're still in the grass and now it's nighttime. So we've always imagined this part as kind of like laying and like looking at the, you've kind of made it to the summit of the first mountain and you're sort of just like looking at the, at the, at the sky and like the meteors and stars. This, this also, this part has a very mantle feel and you'll, you'll, With the you'll snare. notice that You'll notice it when the t when the timpani comes in. Okay. <laughs> I notice it with the snare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a very mental part. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. This, I think Dan said this was inspired by the Terminator Two soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I totally called it. <laughs> I was thinking either that or Ghost Dad, one of the two. <laughs> yeah, this part's really cool because I, I forget the timing of it. It's like, it like alternates five and fours or something. It was very like tricky to yeah. get together. I know what happened was that sometimes with parts like this, me and Dan count them completely differently. That happened to Agalock all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he's, he kind of counts them in bigger chunks, whereas yeah. I sort of subdivide it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember so now it? you're kind of. Yeah, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Mine was just a stupid. I was just talking about looking at. Yeah, mine was just <laughs> talking about looking at the stars. So. <laughs> but you can tell your stupid story. I'd love to hear it. Uh, I was just gonna say, um, with Agalock, there are many parts. It was like, okay, we play this for twenty-four times, and John would be like, mm -hmm. no, we play it twelve times. And we're like, but we're just dividing it in different ways and yeah, 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 getting yeah. these arguments. I thought it was seventeen times. You know, Aesop would be like. I was kind of counting, you know, 62 times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, With me and Dan, a lot of times it's like, I'll start a riff. Like the first riff in Boundaries, like... Da -da 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 -da. He counts it like... Da -da 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 -da. Like he counts the... Right. Da -da -da as like a pickup, but I count right. it as the downbeat starting. So, exactly, yes. Yeah, so then this is kind of the final journey, final adventure. Now you're... Dan always described this part as like you're kind of... He sees like a hand kind of reaching over the cliffside to like pulling yourself up. Okay. And yeah. actually, the, the kind of ambient noise you hear, I recorded on a cliffside on the uh, west coast of Spain when I was on tour with Sangre. Okay. We were at this site that is uh, where there are these ruins of these like old Celtic civilizations. And so I recorded the, the sort of just the distant ambience of the ocean and I felt it, it really fit. But originally the song started with this riff, but it always felt a little too abrupt for me. And then I sort of was like, oh, we should, I should just kind of take the main main metal riff and then like do an acoustic version of it and open it. And I, th I think it kind of, I also like love epic metal songs starting with classical. Like it almost feels like cheating because it always sounds good. 
that's how I like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always think of uh, Richard Brunel and Blessed Are the Sick. Those little, mm. you know, acoustic interludes on Blessed Are the Sick were one of my first introductions to having like those any kind of like non-metal interludes on a mm. metal record, and I love those. I love those mm-hmm. interludes so much. Yeah, I think the nylon string has a certain like kind of weight to it that I don't know is heavy. I always think about battery, like metallic yeah, battery. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. That's a classic one. This is sort of like I think with metal it's it's easy to be like 100% or 0% in terms of the heaviness sometimes yeah. like finding those in between levels yeah. can be kind of challenging because it's so satisfying to play it heavy all the time definitely but I find these kind of like post metal chords like there's a sort of like long or a struggle in them mm-hmm. like you're not quite like it's not quite the release of something extremely heavy yeah. it's just it builds tension that way yeah And then this was a riff I wrote on the classical that we just kind of played metal. A big thing we talk about in the Nightwatch a lot is the creep, something like this, okay. like when you're creeping along. Uh-huh. And that that was a, originated in the Butternuts. Like, and so that's a big kind of part of our musical identity is like when we creep things. Yeah. Because I find it very satisfying when something's metal, but it's creeping. Totally. I, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And I think also in prog metal, sometimes the the uh, the sort of uh, it can sometimes happen that like everything is playing the same thing at the same time. Yes. Which which is like, but sometimes it's nice to like have everybody doing something completely different. Totally. Yeah. Um, because then you're sort of as a listener, you're kind of like looking all around you. So it's kind of finding those moments. Because like you listen to a Yes record, and it's like. They're all kind of like doing, yeah. they're all in a different world, but like Definitely. somehow it works, it all works. And so this riff here is is a reference to the summit part one, that chord progression and that finger picking pattern. So this is kind of like, yeah, the final ascent, like the summit two, like you're kind of, looking around and trying to find pathways. Maybe I should like put this album and and score and, and sync it up with the movie Free Solo and maybe something that <laughs> Yeah, you never know. Magical happen. It could work. <laughs> and then Dan's playing some bones there, which I always liked. Some real bones. Yeah. Nice.
So this is, and the, yeah, this is a, uh, yeah, Evan references the Summit Part 1 riff here. And this riff was weird because I had, I had tabbed it out and I had practiced it, but when we tracked it, it was, it felt so much slower than I was, than I thought it would be. So it, it was really, really hard to like, sometimes playing slow is very difficult. Yes. kind of chords or what like a lot of times I'll like take a finger picking pattern and then kind of just strum it and then sure yeah find, find these chords that I don't think I would normally find I really like Dan's beat here it's, it's kind of like a oh, club yeah. beat <laughs> This part is very influenced by Gree. I just think, yeah, for me, the Nightwatch has always been sort of the meeting of all the different kind of styles that I like, but just kind of in one band, you know, because mm -hmm. I love like, post-metal bands and prog metal bands and acoustic bands and jazz bands, but I never kind of heard it all in one place. Right, yeah. Not to say that we're the first ones to do it, but to me it was just, it's very satisfying. And you know how it is when you're making your own music. You're like, I I'm always curious about finding the gaps in my record collection. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know? You're like, okay, like I don't have one like this. Definitely. Know? Oh, yeah. I, I often do that. Yeah. I really like Dan's cymbal work here. Like, I'm a big fan of like that kind of cymbal stuff. I love really tasty cymbal work. Yeah. And this is kind of like the everything for it's. It's always like building up to something. Like that's one thing I, I, I really like melodic progressions and kind of like epic, epic adventures, you know. And so, and this, this is kind of like the, our transcendental black metal moment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember for Dan, this was the moment he's like, "Oh, I'm scared to track this part," but he nailed it. <laughs> and. Evan, I think, probably hits the highest notes of the whole record in this part. Yeah. 
think Dan always thought of like necrophages when he was doing this kind of like thing. Back to that opening riff. Mm -hmm. Then this is the final ascent. This is where the crowd pumps their fists. And this is the the riff that Evan's playing is actually the riff that I did acoustically at the very very beginning. Okay. And yeah, this it's just kind of like a kind of an epic ending with the, the riffs kind of taking turns, switching over and like different arrangements of it. And then this was kind of my Gordian Knot thing, like doing this kind of this sort of like riff in seven over top of this like riff in six. Right. Are you familiar with Canvas Solaris? Yeah, actually, I just recently, recently got more into them. Yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah, me too. They're releasing into record this year. Yes, they are. I just, yeah, I'm very I, I heard it like two weeks ago. Wait, you heard it? Yeah, <laughs> I did. Are you friends with those guys? I'm friends with Hunter, the drummer. Okay, we'll have to have a talk off the record after yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, I just recently got a copy of Irradiance, and yeah. like, yeah, that's an amazing album. That's cool that they're reuniting. Yeah, yep. So this is where we bring it home. Just kind of like, <laughs> it's always going to another level, but this is where it's like, okay. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> Very cathartic right here. Yeah. It's funny because I've called, and then we sort of do like a deconstruction here that is really satisfying. Where Dan and Ma Dan and Matt are kind of doing their own thing, and me and Evan are doing our own thing. pauses yeah they're nice it's the pauses that can create problems when you're playing live because it's like yes <laughs> but, but it's but yeah and then this is kind of a deconstruction and it was Dan's idea to start like kind of distorting the drums to sort of start disintegrating and me and Evan are kind of trading off. Yeah, it's really, arrangement is really the thing that I find the most interesting in making music. 
just kind of just ideas and how ideas work together like yeah i find it very satisfying Yeah, it was Dan's idea to have Evan kind of like panning sort of right left, which I like. Mm-hmm. And we just printed a double LP of this. Nice. Yeah, so that's cool. How many copies? Uh, 300. Okay, yeah, that's solid. It's funny, Evan is, he's hes very like, kind of go with the flow, but at every so often he'll sort of be like, hey, and I remember when he did the first version of this song, the classical that ended this, just, it didn't sound quite right. And I remember he was just like, Nate, you got to redo that classical. And I'm so <laughs> glad, and I'm so glad that I did because I had done it to a click, but then this time I just tracked it to Evan so I could kind of like right. pause, pause a little with him. So this is a song me and Dan recorded and wrote together because every epic adventure needs sort of like a, this is sort of the credits rolling, so to speak. Sure, yeah. And uh, so this riff that I'm doing is a reference to this of Land Ho, the, the first riff in Land Ho. And so me and Dan recorded this at another studio in Ottawa and it's me and Dan playing, I'm playing classical and, and he's playing the piano and we're doing, and we tracked that live. Okay. And then we add, and then we added uh, other other instrumentation on top of it. So at this point in the story, not quite sure what what goes on once once the once the the adventurer makes it to the su- to summit two, and he looks out. I don't know what he sees. In the in the vinyl version, we we pub- we published. Um, it comes with a poetry book, and each song has a specific piece of art and a poem as well, which oh, we had wow. poems custom custom written for each piece that's awesome. uh, so each of the each of the band members did a poem my girlfriend who's an incredible poet Kanye clayton she did a poem and then uh three of my friends that i had from the spoken word community uh callahan connor ali alikani and vanessa rotundo they all did poems and it adds an extra kind of element to the to the adventure that's awesome yeah but yeah this piece i'm very like happy with how it kind of turned out we just went to the studio i think we did it in one day and it was, we didn't know what we would layer. We knew what we would do together. So there was this kind of like, uh, yeah, just a bit more like freedom in, in the arrangement. It's funny because Dan laughs because I tell him like sometimes the, my favorite things that he does are just these single hits. Yeah. And he does three at the end here right now. It's like, I just find them so satisfying. (laughs) And then this is the the ocean track from the intro. 
And then there's a little secret at the end. I love little secrets. Then you hear the ghostly voices in the ocean. And that's a riff. That's a melody from that the bass plays in Land Ho during the acoustic break. Okay. So, yeah, I can't speak to the ending of the story because we each have sort of different perspectives of it. Sure. But, uh, but I think it's, yeah, that's the adventure. So thanks for <laughs> listening. That's amazing. That's, uh, <laughs> it's amazing to have somebody go through an entire record and just be like, this is what I picture. And this is like, you know, the story behind it. And that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No, it's cool that, Oh, thanks for having me on. And, and I think it's a really cool, like, I would love to hear other artists, you know, like I love hearing people talk, like talking about that kind of thing. On, yeah. On yeah. It's, it's cool. It's like the marriage of the creative process, but also with like the, uh, like what, the artist sees in their head, which is, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes not an avenue you go into, you go into the technicals or, you know, things like that. But especially when it's, I think with instrumental music, it lends itself to being more visual anyway. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's perfect. That's really cool. That's, I'm really glad that I didn't listen to it until today, just so the nice. whole thing was, was a, was a surprise, you know? That's, and uh, you're always going to remember the first time you listen to this. You, it, exactly. You, you created a special moment and yeah. Yeah. But maybe I'm going to be so used to listening to like this. I'm just going to have to listen to the podcast if I want to hear the record. Yeah. I'm like, I miss hearing Nathaniel's voice on this part. <laughs> we'll print. We'll print the audio commentary on vinyl. Yeah, I I think that's a great idea. <laughs> I yeah. think that some bands do that. They release audio commentary of uh of certain. I've heard of that a couple times. I think yeah. it seems kind of crazy, but it's not that much more crazy than just doing this. So even if it was just like a digital, a digital thing. Like, yeah. Like a digital download on Bandcamp or something. So what, uh, what's next for Nightwatch? Um, well, basically, yeah, we released, uh, yeah, we released the vinyl just like a month ago or so. And, uh, so we're just kind of promoting that. And then mm-hmm. now we've just been writing and writing and writing. So we already have our next full length written, Okay. And I think we're going to do an EP in between the, in between full lengths. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we're, we always have a lot of music on the go. I'm fortunate enough to live in a house with Dan, uh, the drummer. So he lives upstairs and I live downstairs. And so we are, you know, even during the pandemic, we're able to jam together. So that's right. been really awesome. So we've written a whole other record. We have, a, yeah, we have like an EP and two other records, basically like okay. one, basically like the, the, one of them is kind of the skeleton is is mapped out. The other one is mostly written. We just need to like figure out some arrangement things, and then we have an sure. EP. So probably I would ideally I'd like to record the next full length later this year, and then record and release some singles 
in the winter and okay. spring and summer. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like I, we're definitely going to try to release something this year, even if it's just a single. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so yeah, that's, that to me is the, I don't know, my favorite part of making music. A lot of times it's just being in the studio. I love um, being in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. Just seeing the vision kind of come together. Yeah. So, um, and then yesterday we started working on like a third full length, like like two full lengths from now we're like oh let's do a record like this so it's like okay like we just started listening to albums and right so i mean that's that's really fun like when you have that freedom to sort of just like imagine what the next kind of canvas can look like yeah very motivating you know and yeah i'm sort of i'm sort of coming up on like i had this vision not from the beginning but it sort of panned out of doing like a trilogy of albums i called it the triple trilogy so it's like a trilogy of solo records a trilogy of nightwatch records and a trilogy of okay. records yeah and so i'm just kind of like finishing that up now so uh, i just recorded my new solo record in the fall and then we're finishing up the third muskox record and we just released the third nightwatch and so it's sort of wow. like i don't know things are kind of now i'm sort of i don't know just opening my horizons to i'm still going to work with these projects but i'm kind of like you know, working with working specifically on music on certain music projects has its own rewards and its own uh, uh, challenges in the sense that, like, you know, there's there's musical ideas that, you know, each each band has its own musical vocabulary and its own musical definitely canvas. Mm-hmm. And so c- certain ideas that I want to explore might not fit on any of my projects. So it's like I need to just kind of try something else, you know, and, and yeah. like I have this record written. um, of just kind of like hip hop jazz instrumentals mm-hmm. that because I love hip hop and I love jazz and I love funk and that kind of thing. And so we have elements of that in the night watch, but I just realized like, yeah, I just want to have a simple album, just groove, yep. just, you know what I mean? I've been learning flute I'm just like just simple flute riffs and just hip hop beats like, and uh, yeah. And I'm also working on um, a one man show about wow, heavy okay. metal. <laughs> wow. Great. Yeah. Yeah, because because like I, throughout my musical explorations, I've also done a lot of spoken word poetry. Right. Uh, and uh, I wrote this poem about heavy metal once that I performed, trying to explain to people why metal is so amazing. Mm-hmm. And it was basically this kind of fantasy epic that at the end I did a growl, but the the story kind of <laughs> leads up it leads uh-huh. up to this moment where like when you hear me growl, you understand why I growl, you know, like that's right, the idea. Okay. Like, when yeah. People hear metal. They don't understand well, why is he yelling? Is he, right. is he angry? I'm like, no, no, he's happy yeah. or whatever. So, so I have this whole one man show written out and, uh, well, I have, I have it mapped out and what I'm going to do is I, and I have like a score written for it. So basically it's like this fantasy Epic that I'm going to write. And each chapter of the Epic has like a metal soundtrack that corresponds with that chapter. And each chapter is inspired by a certain st- subgenre of metal. Okay. Wow. So it'll be like this That's fantasy impressive. epic with, yeah, with metal scoring it. And then, uh, and then with like just acapella storytelling in between, mm-hmm. just talking about my history with metal and like, also like the story of like working with Agalock and like, just like my journey and with Adrian and, 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 sure. you know, all these kind of, all these kind of funny stories that I've experienced through metal, you know, just, and, and because, you know, everyone has their own journey with metal, you know? So it's, I'm not trying to tell people what metal is to them. I'm just saying like, this is what right. it is to me. Yeah. That's you know? amazing. So, yeah. So I, I received some government funding from the Ontario Arts Council. Somehow I, I did my application. I said, Hey, I want to write a one man show about metal. Uh, and this is the idea. And like the jury of artists 
that reviewed the application said, okay, let's give this guy money that wow. he can write. <laughs> so I'm very grateful for that. But now I'm sitting here and I'm like, it's all mapped out. I have right. all the music. Now I have to write it. And so yeah. now I'm just, a bit, I'm sort of like dragging my feet a little about getting it started. But once I get started, like, a, I don't know, that that's going to be a quarantine project for me because, you know, all I need is just my pen and pad and just yeah. to write it out. So yeah, that's going to be a thing. But then what, what I'm planning to do is have the show with the music, but then release the album as an instrumental metal album separately. Sure. Yeah. And so, and, and ideally it will be people's like my first people's first metal album, right? If they see the show. Oh, right. Yeah. They, that's awesome. That's the idea. So they'll see the show and be like, oh, okay, I think I understand metal better. And then they can get this album. And so, so there's like a folk metal track, a death metal track, a power metal track, a prog metal track, a doom metal track, a black metal track and a post metal track. That's amazing. <laughs> with like a story that corresponds with yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so Damn. It's a, wow. whole, it's a whole thing. It's again, the poem, the original poem, and there's videos of it on YouTube. Uh, it's called Heavy Metal Nerd. And it it just started for fun. And then I sort of, it's kind of, again, it's like we've talked about with creativity, right? Like it just, you you start a thing and then it, it sort of starts telling you like, hey, why don't you try, you know, expanding? And right. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, so I don't know. I just, I just feel grateful that I can continue being creative and just, you know, the, the goal is really to just complete projects, right? Cause that's the only way to really like learn and get perspective Definitely. and, you know, releasing the Nightwatch Embarrassment of Riches on vinyl, you know, this album that we've been kind of like nurturing for like almost a decade, like it's this kind of weight, you know, that mm -hmm. that's been relieved and, and, and we can just start doing something completely different, you know? Right. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Well, Nathaniel, it has been amazing to have you on. It, you are an inspiration and you are intimidating. And oh, uh, no. you are you are a god among men. So oh, you're uh, too kind. Thank you so I much for joining me. And, no, it's it, that's 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 what makes this podcast work is when people have something to say about music or especially their music it becomes even more important. So uh yeah, what a unique perspective you have on metal and music in general. And I deeply appreciate you as an artist and, and as a friend. And uh, yes, you're wearing a Gorgut shirt. <laughs> I wore my obscure shirt for you so I could represent. Yeah, and I actually, you'll, that. Be you'll be happy to know this story. Uh, when Gorgut's played in Ottawa, because uh, we both know Kevin Huffnagel. Yes, we do. Uh, the, the incredible, he's a god among men, but anyways, yes, that's for another podcast. Yeah. Um, have you had him on the podcast yet? No. Did you know he's on the new sculptured record? That makes me very happy. Yeah, he did a guest solo I, on one of the tracks. Oh, that's amazing. I'm, I'm really happy to hear that record uh, is coming. I actually recently was revisiting Embodiment. Nice. And, uh, yeah, incredible. Yeah, so, yeah. So, Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, it's it's my favorite sculptured record. How and far along is it? Are it's you allowed it's to done. Say? It's done. Oh, yes. It's, yes. it's uh, in the hands of the powers that be to release. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's, yeah. I finished mixing it end of November. Got, wow. Got mastered in December. Yep. Kevin and Kevin and Don uh do a little little trading off in one of the songs. Oh, and it's it's that's, glorious. That's incredible. Wow, yeah, wow. Yeah. Uh yeah, so I know Kevin Huffnagel and uh so he plays in Gorgut. So when they played in Ottawa, mm -hmm. I said like you guys need to you guys like if you guys need a place to crash, like stay at our house, you know. So so it was amazing. So me and Raf uh from Muskox we spent the evening just like sitting at the kitchen table, just chatting with Luke LeMay. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. I met, I met Luke when 
when Aguilar played in Calgary, he was there to do some kind of panel on something. It was a, it was a metal fest up in Calgary and uh, met him a couple yeah, times. Yeah. Very, very nice, very well-spoken, mm-hmm. very generous person. But yeah, Kevin and I go way back, like early 90s. I've known, mm-hmm. I've known Kevin. Um, yeah, great people, great band. I feel, I feel like like him on a pod. I'm trying to imagine him on the podcast because he's so soft-spoken. I know. And he's I know. so like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like I, I just kind of love blabbering on, but... I can imagine him just being like, yeah, like, you know, this yeah. record's pretty yeah. good. You know, it's like, yeah, this is cool. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how awesome you are? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think he does. Um, but maybe uh, that's why he's so awesome. <laughs> that That is definitely part of the reason he's so awesome. Yeah. What a guy. Well, Nathaniel, I'm running out of time here. So um, again, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, if people want to check out Nightwatch or purchase the record, what is the best way to do that? Yeah, um, it's on our Bandcamp, so okay. just the nightwatch.bandcamp.com. Uh, we're on all the streaming, so we have our, our self-titled debut, Boundaries, mm-hmm. An Embarrassment of Riches, and the and then also the amazing Jason uh, William Walton uh, yourself. Uh, you did a remix of, ba- of Boundaries, which we released right. called Boundless. Yep. That's amazing. Uh, so, yeah, you can just look up the Nightwatch uh bandcamp.com and and if you type in the night watch and embarrassment of riches it's pretty much the only thing you'll find right yeah um yeah great well again thanks for joining me nathaniel um and for the listeners please like us on itunes uh visit us on facebook go to our production company at earthandsound.org. There you can find the podcast you can find my music you can find my new line of t-shirts and hoodies we're now accepting pre-orders for Disharmonic Orchestra and Confessor t-shirts and hoodies with more coming soon. Uh, so please check out the store, check out the podcast, check out my music. There's always tons of shit going on. Nathaniel, it was a pleasure. I'll talk to you soon, uh, thank man. Thank you so much. I'm honored. Take All care. Right. Thank you.